you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Well, we started this this Bible study, um, the third option, four weeks ago. We looked at Joshua chapter 5, where Joshua was headed out to battle. He saw the angel of the Lord, and he, he asked this question. Are you for us, or are you for them? Are you for us, or are you for them? And it resonates with us, because we live in a culture today that seems like we're, we're, we're forced to choose. Are you for us, or are you for them? Right? And it's kind of like we just feel so polarized we, we feel so, so divided. And the angel of the Lord looked back at Joshua and he said, neither. Right? He was like, no, nah, I'm not for them or that. And, and what we're learning is in this third option, it's God. That, that when we live in this life and the polarization and the frustration, the irritation and the agitation, that there is always a third option to see each other as in God's image. You understand that every single one of us in this gathering, no matter how much melon is in our skin, no matter what our social economic status is, the dialect on our tongue, every human being on the planet is created in God's image. And you and I embrace the third option when we pause in life. When people, I'm telling you, you're going to get irritated by people, but when you pause long enough, just to remind yourself they're created in God's image. Then last week, right, we looked at, at, at the Bible and we said, listen, we all have a blind spot. And this blind spot is we, we, we somehow came to the conclusion that God's word is a suggestion to us. That God has suggested that you, listen, I wrote a book, I put some ideas in, it's up to you, you decide if you think it's good or not so good, and you decide when and where and how you want to apply God's word to your life. And that's a blind spot, because God says that when we meditate on his word, when we lean into his word, the only place in the Bible, hello, that success is used is in connection with the word of God. The promise to Joshua that when you meditate, when you, when, you, when you think on, when you apply, when you obey all of my commandments, then you'll be prosperous and successful. And I, I appeal to all the parents in the house. Listen, lead your children academically. Lead your children athletically. But if you really want your kids, and I, listen, parents, you make big-time sacrifices for your kids. But if you really want your kids to be like at a whole nother level, to really have success as a dad, I want my girls to be successful. The promise from the Bible is lean them into scriptures. So all this leads us to this final message this morning and this third option that I want to kind of un- unpack uh, for, for all of us. And it kind of goes like this. Most of us in this gathering have a pretty good idea of what we should do. That's really not any of our challenges. We know what we should do physically. We know we should get a good night's rest, but then there's that latest show on Netflix, and we, well, we know we should drink more water, but let me, I don't like how water tastes. Give me a Diet Coke, right? I need a little caffeine in my body, right? You, you, we know what we, we shouldn't have another slice of that pizza, Right? We know what we should do. We know we should 
forgive our spouse and not go to bed angry, but <laughs> don't look at me like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? We, 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 we know, right, that we should allow more time to get to work, right? So that when we get there, we're not frazzled, right? It, uh, but that alarm, right? It, let, none of us in this gathering, watching online, none of us has a problem in knowing what to do. What's our real problem? Doing it, right? And that's what we're going to discover in this story this morning from God's word and from the lips of, of Jesus. And let me just say this as, as, as a point of introduction. Don't we just love loopholes? I mean, come on now. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, isn't it just when you find one and it's kind of like, you know, technically we haven't done wrong. Technically, right? It's just like it's a loophole. Like, I know you said this, but technically I didn't go, right? Don't you just love the, we're about to see a guy who loves loopholes. Okay, you got your Bible, right? Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. Let, let me just pause. Let me, let me just, let me say this to you. He, he, hear me on this. The reason having your Bible, either in print or digitally, is important is this. Is the world is filled with opinions, including from a guy named Mark on a Sunday morning. What's most important and what does God say to you? God's word is alive and it's active. He has given you his word. And so when we look into it, this is the source. You might have a real trouble today trying to find sources of, of, of solid news or information on the pandemic or whatever. There, there, we struggle finding sources in the world that we can trust in. But what you're holding in your hand, either in print or digitally, we can put all of our trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your ass. All right. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Here's what the Bible says. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. In our language, it would be the chief justice of the Supreme Court, right? Everybody would say that person knows what they're talking about, right? And he asked Jesus this, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question, right? I mean, I mean, hello, we, we see the news I mean, even our news every day, right? There's a, there's a ticker. It's always telling us who just passed, you know, not, not literally who, but the number of who's who just passed away with the COVID-19 virus, right? And, and so what happens after this life? Kind of good question. What do I got to do? What boxes do I need to check so that I have eternal life? And notice verse 26. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? Now, again, this guy's an expert expert in the law so Jesus doesn't answer his question directly he offers a question look at verse 27 he answered that's this expert lawyer love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself in other words he rattled it off he knew exactly what he's supposed to do I'm supposed to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and, and love my, my neighbor as myself. I mean, I, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is, this, is, this is what I'm supposed to do. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Right? And th that should be the end of the discussion, right? He's asking the question, what's most important? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? It's the end of, end of discussion. He says, I'm supposed to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and, and love my neighbor as myself. Bingo, you got it. The lawyer knew what to do, but he didn't want to do it. He didn't like the idea 
of having to love his neighbor as himself. Notice what it says in verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself. He, he, he wanted to create an environment, a loophole, to avoid doing what he knew that he was supposed to be doing. This is so human, like technically speaking, right? How many of y'all um, uh, drink coffee in the morning? Just, okay. I, and if you've got more than one person in your house that drinks coffee, you're about to know what I'm about to talk about, right? And you make that coffee pot in the morning, right? And everybody starts having their cup and their cup and that, and the, and the pot starts going down and down and down and down, right? And then there's that one person in your house that doesn't take the last full cup. They leave about how much left, right? And you're like, I can't believe it. Linda, I can't believe it that you took the last cup of coffee. And she looks at me almost like, there's a little bit left in there. (laughs) Technically, it's not all gone. There's a little bit. It's not a cup for one sip. You, you, You understand, right? Parents, how many conversations have you had with your son or your daughter? That technically, right? Technically, Dad, I wasn't. Technically, it wasn't like that's what's happening. It's so human. We try to find the gray. So go back to your Bibles. He asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? You see it in verse 29? But he, he wanted to justify, justify himself, so he asked Jesus, okay, who's my neighbor? In other words, he's looking for a limited liability. What's the least amount? I mean, my neighbor is my, my family, like my close relatives. They live in the same state as me. Like, is it a coworker? Um, it, it, who, who is it, right? And he's asking the wrong question. He's asking, who's my neighbor, rather than asking, who can I be a neighbor to? Now, I'm about to introduce you to the third option. See, see we have this tendency where we want to, we want to, okay, who's my neighbor? Who do, okay, all right. Fine, I gotta love my neighbor. Just tell me who it is. Is it that person or is it that person? Just tell me what's the minimalist that I've got to do. Check off the box. It's the wrong question. The question isn't who is my neighbor. The question is who can I be a neighbor to? See, Jesus, the whole story of Jesus is he came to destroy the barriers, all the barriers that you and I have right now of, of race and social economic statuses and all the pressures and all the problems that we have in our lives. Jesus came to erase all of that. Our tendencies is we as humans, right, we have a tendency to kind of gather, to cluster in, in our groups, people who look like us, vote like us. And what Jesus wants to teach us, he wants to expand our mindset far beyond the small group of people that we've circled around ourselves. All right, now, I'm going to lean into verse number 30, but I want to I clarify something. We're not going to over-spiritualize the rest of this scripture. I have a friend who, uh, at, at Christmas time, I don't know why, but at Christmas time, we have a tendency to, to attach candy to the Christmas story. You know what I'm talking about? Like the whole candy cane thing and the whole story, right? When you hold the candy cane up upright with the hook and it looks like a shepherd's staff and you tell the shepherd came, you turn it upside down and it looks like a letter J, right? And then you see the red stripes and it's for his stripes, right? And so my friends always say, don't tell me another candy, right? We have a tendency. There's nothing wrong with that candy store, by the way. John's looking at me like, you mean I can't tell that story to my boy? Of course you can tell that story to your boys. It's just fine. But sometimes, right, we have a tendency to over-spiritualize God's word. We're going to lean into the rest of the story and just look at it for what God's 
teaching to this human lawyer and also to us as well. You ready? Okay, look, 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 look at verse 30. In reply, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about a 17 mile. I, I, I actually was on that road last year from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about a 17 mile. It's, it, it descends about 3,000 feet. Um, when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. This is not good. Right? This, this, is, this is an injustice. There's a real man. Uh, we don't know if he's married. We don't know if he has kids. We don't know his age. We just know there is a human being who has been marginalized, has been beat, who has been hurt. That's all we know in the story right now. Now, notice what it says in verse 31. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Let me see if I can unpack this for you. A priest and a Levite, in our language today, like a priest would be like a lead pastor, so to speak, and a Levite would be Michael, right, a, a, a staff member. And in their leaving Jerusalem, and perhaps they had been doing all kinds of work in the temple that day. They had been busy, you know, doing things for God. They just want to get home. They're on their way. We really don't, I mean, I mean, all we know right now in this part of the story that the priest and the Levite, they both saw this man who was beat up. They were aware of this injustice, but they made a decision that day to come over to the other side of the road and to avoid. They were aware of him, but they chose to avoid him. You have to know also that as kind of a part of their priestly duties, that if they came in contact with somebody who had been hurt, where they were bleeding, uh, or they had died, uh, and they, they came in close proximity, they were declared unclean for seven days. Sound familiar? Right? If you come in contact with somebody of COVID-19, right, you're supposed to go in quarantine, not just for seven days, 14 days. Right now in America, right, if you travel from one state to another state, governors are asking you to quarantine going into their state or leaving their state, right? And, and so maybe they're in their mind, listen, we, we've got responsibilities. I mean, I've got to be back at the temple tonight because we've got other things going on. Um, but they saw, they were aware of this man who got beat, but they avoided him. They didn't want to take any risk. Let me listen. If that guy got beat up, maybe, maybe it's an ambush. He's laying there, and a couple other people are going to come and, and, and jump us at the, same, at the same time. Their fear began to, to kick in. Let, 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 me, let me just speak from my heart for just a minute. It's August 2nd, 2020. And none of us understand all the things that are going on in the world that we are living right now today a lot of lot of problems a lot of pressure um, a, a lot of tension people are upset with each other in ways that perhaps we've never really seen seen before and i'm not i'm not minimizing for one minute that there is a virus in the world there is a virus there's people who do get sick uh, people who you know that got sick there are people uh, who have passed away from from this virus but I know this, there's always something happening in the heavenly realms, what we can't see. And right now, as a people group, we are becoming less, less and less, like the priest and the Levite, 
our tendency is to go on the opposite side of the road. When we see hurt and pain and sorrow and suffering, right now we are being so conditioned that, listen, we can't be really close to that person. Hear me. I didn't say that there's not a virus. I did say there is a virus. But what I'm concerned as a pastor is, is what's beginning to take root in our lives is this sense of pulling up from people. We need, listen, we need one another. God created us as human beings to do life together in close proximity. We need loving one another. We need lifting up one another. We need to lean into each other's lives. But right now, right, because there's this pandemic, we're being told that we need to pull up. But hear me, in time, new behavior patterns, you might call them habits, begin to develop. And I'm concerned about that. We've got to make sure, listen, listen, online and in this gathering, we've got to make sure that at the end of the day, we understand that God loves people so much that he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came, walked on this earth. He died on a cross, became alive again. He created the church. The United States government didn't create the church. China didn't, I mean, China creates everything. China didn't create the church. Jesus created the church, the ecclesia, he says where two or three are gathered together, we are called to gather together. It's in the gathering of human beings that the presence and the power of God rests on us. Hey, I did say there was a virus, right? Are you with me? Okay. I got a question, and I'm not trying to be snarky this morning. I, I just really want to ask this, see if you know. If you had to guess, in 2019, how many people died in the United States of America? And, and, and listen, before you even give me your answer, listen, Church of Hope exists to partner with people to discover in Christ we have hope. Why? Because I know something about you. You're going to die. Just want to encourage you this morning, sitting on the front row, you're going to die. Okay? And I believe with my whole heart. The Bible says that at that moment, you meet God. And there's going to be a real-time conversation. And God doesn't grade on a curve. Otherwise, he have to apologize to his son, Jesus, who died on the cross. So death is real. I'll stand on this platform in about four or five hours. And I'll look into the family's eyes. You understand, there are three little girls. Seven, Ashley, help me. Seven, four, and two? Seven, nine, and one? Nine, seven, and one. 179, thank you. Okay, 179. I know about, I, let, let me tell you something. Someone else, on the day that they walk down an aisle, someone else besides their daddy will have to walk them down. That's not lost on me. A 38-year-old woman, way too young to be known as a widow, will step out into everyday life now They're burying her husband. And let me tell you something. Death, death is real. One of the, this might sound, just stick with me for a second. One of the benefits, this might not sound right, but one of the benefits of being a pastor all through my 20s, 30s, you'll see this, Michael, as a young man, all through my life, is I've always been rooted and grounded because every single year, 30, 40, 50 different funerals where somebody who was alive has now died. You understand, nobody can eliminate death. Jesus came to take away the sting of death. 
Jesus came and he died the same death that every human being, but the difference is Jesus three days later came alive again. And because Jesus came back from the dead, when we die, we have a hope, a promise in a real place called heaven. This is good news. Absolutely it's good news. So let me go back to my question. Does anybody know how many people died in the United States of America in 2019? If you had to take a guess, just throw something out there. Okay, come on, more than, I mean, come on. What do you think? 200,000, what's another guess? How many? Two million, another guess. 60 million, no, that's a little, I hope not. Okay, and again, you can go to CDC, it's all out there, this is not my, so in 2019, 2.8 million people died in the United States of America. Just let that settle on you for a second. I, listen, I'm not trying to play political. I'm just teaching the Bible to you. There's a story in the Bible where a man got beat up. A man was minimized and marginalized. A priest and a Levite, they saw, they were aware of it, but they avoided it. They didn't want to, they didn't want to become a victim. They didn't want to have any risk in, in, in that. They didn't want to be called unclean. In 2019, 2.8 million people died. 2.8 million people died. And the fear that we're walking around right now as Americans, and get, hear me, I, I do funerals, I understand. One person dying causes a whole lot of pain. But right now in COVID, 157,000 people have died. All the news, all the fear, Everybody being wigged out. Right now, we are on the same track in 2020 to have the same cumulative total deaths as in 2019. I'm telling you, there is something going on. The adversary doesn't, the adversary wants you to retreat to the other side. The adversary wants the church. Listen, he does not want us to be unified in the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the only thing that will bring hope to the world that we're living in. It's not a vaccine. And let me just ask another question. I, I, I'm not trying to be snarky. Do you hear me? I'm, I'm, I'm really not trying to be an agitation. But like right now, I'm, I'm scratching my head when it comes to anything of our government. Anybody else with me? I mean, I'm not, I don't care about media, government. I'm like, who, who do you really believe? I mean, I don't, I don't know if I believe anybody anymore, right? So with all that confusion that's out there, with all that, like, I don't know who's saying what it is, what that number is, and right? I mean, y y we're all kind of a little bit confused. I did a whole series <laughs> last month about it, right? Like, I'm really wondering if they know what they're doing as a whole, right? So do you think for one millisecond, if they tell me all of a sudden there's a vaccine they're sticking in my butt? <laughs> uh, I'm just telling you, the hope that's... Now, please don't Google that or Google it. Text that. <laughs> Pastor in Ocala says, don't take the vaccine. It's of the devil. I didn't say that. I'm teaching you from the Bible that, listen, there is this, there is this temptation... When we see an injustice, when we see something that's wrong, we don't want to risk getting involved. We kind of kind of are doing okay, me and my four and no more. And the Levite and the priest walked on the other side of the road. Now, let's go back to your Bibles. Look what it says in verse 33. Yeah, some of you are saying, yeah, we've been waiting for that for the last 10 minutes. Get back in the Bible, Mark. Come on. I can't wait to see social media. 
but a Samaritan. <laughs> so, right, so Jesus is telling this story to a bunch of legal scholars, a, a bunch of Jewish people, and then he pivots and he says, okay, the priest and the Levite, they, hey, they ain't doing nothing about this old boy who's beat up. And then in verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. He saw him and took pity on him. You got to understand something. The Samaritans were despised by the Jews. Socially, politically, religiously, I mean, they were outcast. They were rejected. It's interesting that God, he, he, Jesus tells a story and he identifies sort of the, the job description of a man, priest, Levite. Now he leans into the race conversation. And he says, a Samaritan. The audience is going to be shocked at the eventual hero. I mean, they, he chooses the man, the people group, those guys, that Samaritan, those people on that side of the railroad track, that people group, those kind of people. This was dangerous. Telling a story that would make the Jews look bad and the Samaritans look good. This, and some would call it reckless. They would say it's politically incorrect. They would say it's evil, it's fatal. But it's what Jesus did. Look back in your Bible, verse 34. He went to him, this is the Samaritan, the beat-up guy on the side of the road. He goes to him and he bandages his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then he put the man on his own donkey. Look how much skin he's got in the game. He sees him. He's aware of him. He goes to him. He bandages his wounds, pouring out his oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, basically two days of, 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 two days of wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any... This is not his son or his daughter. This is not a, a relative. This is not a good friend from high school. This is a stranger. And, and, and furthermore, this is his enemy. The Samaritan, this Jewish man who's been beat up, he could have crossed his arms and said, hey, listen, hey, so sorry, so sad. You got, you got what's coming for you. He acts in the complete opposite. Verse 36 which of these, Jesus asks, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law, the one who had mercy on him. And then notice the words of Jesus, then and now to all of us. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. It's a third option. The third option for us is to see everybody is created in God's image. The third option for us is to lean into God's word and understand this is not optional. Jesus is saying to you and to me online, he's saying to you that we don't need to avoid the marginalized people in our lives. He wants us to understand that our neighbor is all human beings. When God prompts our heart and we see a problem, he wants us to lean in and to become, God created you, God's blessed you. God's positioned you to be a solution to a pain point in our, in our world today. Jesus is not some lucky charm that we kind of, you know, kind of spray on our life and, uh, or like a sunburn, right? We kind of spray Jesus on us so we don't get burned when we die one day. 
I mean, Jesus gives us instructions. Jesus came so that the injustice in this world and the unrighteousness in this world would be turned to justice and righteousness as we as Christ followers live out who he is in our everyday ordinary lives. Listen to Matthew 5 and 43. It can be on the screen as well. You've heard it said that it was, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. We don't have any problem with that, right? You love your friends and hate your neighbor. You know what they wrote about me on Facebook? Do you know what my neighbor did? My, my, my neighbor actually, right? But notice what Jesus says. He says, I tell you. Okay, if you're a Christ follower, lean in. If you're not a Christ follower, just take a nap right now. Take a nap. But if you are a Christ follower, Jesus is saying, I tell you, verse 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteousness. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Right now, you're deciding in your mind. I'm telling you, it is a third option. It is a blind spot. You're beginning to ask, okay, do I really got to do this? Is this really something that, I mean, you, let me just say, is Jesus in you or is he not? Did you step into this Christ-following decision? The most dangerous person in the world is the person who has a form of godliness, not dangerous to the rest of the world, dangerous to yourself. You've got a form of godliness, but you've denied the, the power of Jesus in your life. Jesus is teaching us right here that we love our enemies. Verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do this. He's saying there is a third option. The Samaritan was an enemy with the Jews, but he had pity on him. Write this down, Proverbs 3 and 27. Proverbs 3 and 27. Whenever you are able, do good to people who need help. Whenever, not, you don't look at him and say, well, that group of people or those group of people. No, he says, you, whenever you are able and the spirit of God prompts you, do good. The Samaritan took care of him, gave him money. And he said, go and do likewise. We do this as a church with, with Project Hope. Project Hope identifies at-risk women and their children. And there's a long list of discrepancies. There's a long list of decisions that these ladies have made throughout their life. They didn't just show up one day in a homeless situation uh, because they had a, a, a bad night. It, it was a cumulative journey of choices that if they could go back, they would undo. But, but we partner with, you give significantly amounts of cash every month to Project Hope. Actually, more than any other mission project that we have, you give to Project Hope. Because Project Hope leans right into this story. Project Hope has pity. That's not a bad word. It's a word that could also be defined as care. They care for him. We look at these ladies and we say, we believe that life can be better for them. We are aware of it. We don't avoid them. We don't go to the other side of the street. We step in and we partner with the executive director, April McDonald, and her team as they bring these ladies together who in many ways have been marginalized, beat up on the side of the road. They, they could be this Jewish man in this story. You come alongside of them and you love and you lift them back. That's what Jesus is saying. Go and do likewise. Hey, look at 1 John 4.20. 1 John 4.20. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister. So let me just pause. In your mind right now, do you love God? Don't raise your hand. Just, I mean, do you love God? I know 
Really, Mark, you're going to ask that question on a Sunday morning? We even came in person, right? Do you love him? Okay, so you're loving God, all right? I'm loving, I'm loving me some God, okay? You love God, you love God. Like, what are you going to say, I hate God? You ain't going to say that. I love, I love, I love God. I'm loving me some God, right? Okay, notice. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. That's tough stuff. And I know what you're thinking. Well, that, that's my brother or sister, right? That's like, you know, my, they're from my same mama and same dad. And, okay, and my parents got remarried, and so I actually have a half-brother, half-sister, so I probably only have to have to half-love them. You're playing in that game. You're playing in that lawyer game. When you see that person on the television set destroying property, when you see somebody saying something about another group of people and it just so irritates you, when you see something painted on a basketball court, when you see all the things in your life that get your heart rate just up and you get so mad, I want you to pause, First John 4.20. If you love God, but then you're like, ah, there is a third option. In that moment, I'm not asking you to justify their behavior. God didn't justify their behavior. God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay for their behavior. And by the ways, when you see all that jacked up activity, wherever it might be, whatever somebody might say, and it just so irritates you on the inside, you're like, oh, Mark, don't you see what they're doing to our country? Mark, don't you see what they're doing? Oh. You know that feeling, right? You know that emotion? Now you know exactly maybe how God's thought about you and me. When he looks down at the TV screen of our life and our activities, because you see, with God, all sin is sin. That little root of bitterness, that little quote, quote, white lie, that thing that you are watching on your phone, all these things. We have a tendency to classify our sins and we say, well, listen, my sin's not like, I mean, look what they're doing. They're, they're looting and look what they're doing. And they, they're, no, no, no. Just, just remind yourself. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother and sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and their sister... Jesus just got done teaching. He asked, who's my neighbor? And he says out loud, listen, you need to know something. Your neighbor is everywhere. All human beings. Why? Because God created man in his own image. Every place you see a human being, there's God. If that human, li li listen, God created every human being. There is a third option. What God is calling for us in 2020 is to be the third option in our world. More than what Miles McPherson would write. The reason the third option is biblical is because the first option, if you go back even to Jesus who died on the cross, on the first day he stayed dead. Nothing changed on the first day. And nothing changed on the second day. But the whole world changed on the third day because he who was dead became alive. And because we are people of the third day, we are people of the third option, we live our lives day in and day out, week in and week out. And culture can change and political parties can change and all kinds of the agitations and irritations and frustrations can all be a part of this world. But we are people of the third day. 
We are people who have leaned into the story that Jesus Christ is alive. It's not just a Sunday school story. It's not just something from back in the day. It is with a power that guides and directs our very lives. So, it's time to go be the third option. I've been teaching for several weeks now. One is just go see people as your neighbor. That's all the Samaritan did. He saw him. He got into proximity. The, this, the, the beat up Jewish guy was not in the Samaritans in group. He was in his out group. And one of the most practical things we can all start doing is take in group love, the kind of love that you have towards people who are close to you. You know how we give them the shadow of the doubt and, and all the different kind of grace and mercy and favor and, and privilege that we give to them is we just take that in group love and give it to out group. Give it to people who aren't like us. See people that's created in the image of God. Number two, so I gave that to you. I think this is important. It might feel like semantics, but I think this is, I think this is, is a change in our mind. Is we've got to label people as made in God's image and not by their behavior. I don't know if you've ever been labeled something. Um, you know, and it, you kinda, it, it kind of sticks to you and it's hard to break it. Like you growing up, there wasn't contacts, contacts in the 70s. So if they were, I didn't have any. And so, of course, I was known as Four Eyes, you know, and, uh, and you kinda, it kind of sticks at you. Um, you know, if you're different body parts, you know, and people kind of identify that body part and say, or, right, you, you broke the law. And forever, you know, that person is just known as a criminal. And we somehow we we label people by their behavior, by the external, and we've forgotten to see that God doesn't look like we look. God looks on the heart, not the outward appearance. So I just want us to be careful in how we label. Because Jesus, in his own words, didn't say, okay, male, female, Greek, Jew, Gentile. He's not a respecter of persons. And I know this is hard for us because we see people and, and you have life experiences and maybe you've been hurt by somebody. You have preconceived ideas. I like one of the things that Miles talked about in the book where he talked about instead of having a race conversation, have a race consultation. In other words, we all show up with biases. We all show up with prejudice. We have, we have life experiences that have impacted us. So then I meet somebody, right, five years later who looks like or is acting like somebody that I had maybe a negative experience or I've got a bias or prejudice. So I'm talking to that person. They're dressed a certain way. They look a certain way. And inside my, my mind, I'm having a conversation, and it's easy for those biases and prejudices to work in. What, what Miles talks about is, is take those biases and prejudices. Don't pretend you don't have them. He just says, put them to the side and have a consultation in your mind. Why am I stereotyping this person? What have they done? Just lean into that space. I, I know this is hard because, l l listen, you're seeing things and it just gets you upset and mad and we want to label people. But understand that the Jesus that you love the God that you love, he came because of all of our jacked up behavior. 
And now because if you have faith and belief in Jesus Christ, the only label he puts on us is we are sons and daughters of him. Not because of all of our behavior and sin. The Bible says he separates us as far as the east is from the west. You'll never be able to do this as a human. But if you ask the Holy Spirit to get inside of you, I'm, I'm just telling you, we've got to become the change. We've, the change you want. If you right now are really frustrated and fatigued in what you're seeing in the world, television, social media, all the stuff, somebody has to decide to become the change. Somebody has to move from us versus them. Somebody has to step up and say, there's a third option, and his name is Jesus, and I'm going to be that, that third, third option. All right, why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray over us, give you a chance to think for just a few moments, even those who are joining online. Uh, just kind of wind down these last few minutes of our Bible study, let you think in your mind, okay, how do I, how do I step out today and apply, and apply this, this word? So, in the Bible study, there were thieves, and they saw this traveling man as a victim, so they attacked him. You saw that in the story. The priest and the Levite, they saw this man as a nu nu nuance. Nu how do you say that word? Nuisance. A problem, right? And so they avoided him. The Samaritan saw this man as someone that he could help, somebody they could love, somebody that he could care for. And so Jesus says to that lawyer, and Jesus says to all of us, go and do likewise. So right now, Christ follower, where do you need to go and do likewise? Now, now here's the part I want to stretch you on. The whole story, the premises, is built on doing it for somebody that you don't know. Somebody who doesn't look at We're pretty good in Ocala, Florida, about doing good things for the people that we know people who look like us but what God's calling us to do is to do some things for people who look very different than us why why is that so important Gene I'm so glad that you asked me that question Gene Harvey we couldn't have gone on the rest of this day the reason it's so important is in Matthew chapter 25 Gene Jesus said this when I was hungry you fed me when I was thirsty you gave me a drink. When I was naked, you, you clothed me. When I didn't have any place to stay, you invited me in. When I was incarcerated, you came and visited me. And you know what all the people at Church of Hope said? What you talking about, Jesus? I don't remember doing that for you. When did I do that for you? And Jesus looked at all the people at Church of Hope, online and in person. And you know what he said? When you've done it for the least of these, you've done it to me. When you've done it for the least of these rich, all these faces up on the screen, for the least, the, 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 the person who can't pay you back, the person who can't, you know, say thank you on social media, the person whose behavior and lifestyle, listen, I'm convinced if we would step into people's lives and just let them see how awesomely I don't know if that's a word. How awesome, satisfied we are in Jesus. They might just decide to chase after him. Hey, I'm going to pray. Um, if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, you're watching me online, you're in this space, I'm going to say this whole story 
is a reflection of Jesus' love. You feel beat up and marginalized on the side of the road and you've watched people walk past you and things in the world seem to be unjust and, and it's not fair and it's not kind, you're right. But Jesus right now, he hasn't crossed to the other side. Jesus is right up close to your heart and he's saying to you, listen to that guy named Mark right now. You're about, he's about to invite you to pray to become one of my followers. Go ahead and pray that. It'll change your life. Let's pray. God, I love you. This has been a really good series. It has stretched us. It has challenged us in, in some crazy times that we live. But God, greater is you that's in us than what's in the world. So I pray over all of these Christ followers. God, will you guide them? Oh, how I love them. Thank you for the joy of the privilege of standing and teaching your word each week to them. But now, Holy Spirit, you've got to guide them and direct them. And you show them in the way of the Samaritan. God, keep us from being the priest and the Levite who don't want to get involved, who, who, who don't want to become unclean, who, who don't want to be bothered by it. God, open our eyes to see people around us that we can lean into their lives and to love them to you. If you're here this morning, you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. Right now, would you pray this? Hey, Jesus, it's me. I have felt beat up on the side of the road. And I'm thankful that you didn't walk on the other side, but you've come to me this morning. I've sinned, and I'm asking you to forgive me. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross and three days later became alive again. And right here this morning, I'm asking you, Jesus, to save me and come into my life. And to all who just prayed to begin a relationship with Jesus, welcome to God's family. Father, bless these precious men and women. May they walk in your favor. May they know each and every moment of the day as they trust you and they obey you. May they experience the presence of your promises. May they know that every provision that they need, you will release into their lives. And may we be the people in this world that display the third option, that everything changed on the third day when you moved from death to life. God, bring life into our relationships, life into our friendships, life into our businesses, life into our city, life to our county, our state, life to this world as we choose you, Jesus, the better option. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peace. I love you.